0: You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello, and welcome to the August 2015 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Uh, my name is Shane. I'm so glad to be back. I've been gone for a while, but we're going to jump into a real interesting topic today. We're going to talk about church and state. And uh, we're going to jump into that in just a second. A lot of great things or a lot of crazy things or a crazy. lot of interesting things, yes. at the very least, going on in our country uh, recently, so we want to jump into where the church fits into that. But before we do, I wanted to give you guys uh, a heads up on a couple things. One is we have a kids and student ministry conference coming up on October the 17th. August. September. So I September. said. What did, I said. October.
1: You said October. I said. You said September. September and it's but, actually August.
0: But it's actually August. August. It can't be August.
1: I'm, it's September. It is September. We're not editing any okay. of this. Okay.
0: So, so let me back up and tell you that we have a fabulous. That thing up. We have a fabulous. That's a Christian song. Kids and Student Ministry Conference coming up called the Wave Conference. <laughs> we got to make that noise when yes, we do the every Wave time. Conference. It is in September. And it is on the 17th of Amen. September, 2015, Yes, which is a Thursday. Yes, it is. Okay, and so we want you to be a part of it. How can you get the information? Go to newspringnetwork.com. That's newspringnetwork.com to get all the information you need and be able to sign up or register to bring you or your team to that conference. You don't want to miss it. In addition to that, just let me say, when you go to newspringnetwork.com, you're going to find that we've got lots of resources there that are absolutely for free. Uh, and when we say
1: free. Super free. I mean, it's super free.
0: Other yeah. than the time it takes you to get it. Download it. Yep. Yeah. So that you know, We the, even
1: pay for the download.
0: We do pay for the down. That's yeah. exactly right. We eat the cost of that because we want to serve the kingdom, whether it's, you know, uh, production needs or kid needs or anything, anything we can give away, we do uh, through that site. So go to that and check it out.
1: And let me let me just say this. If you're considering coming to the conference, um, you, you're going, well, you guys are a mega church and y'all have eight squillion kids and, and you know, and... I'm a I'm a youth pastor, and I'm part-time, and I've only got eight kids, and will this really speak to me? The answer is yes. I don't care if you've got five kids in your youth group or 5,000 kids in your youth group or children in your children's group or whatever. I, this will minister. I started at a church that averaged 100 people on a Sunday morning and 10 students. And so some of the things I know that I'm going to be teaching, mm-hmm. some of the things that— um brad and sherry and a lot of our breakouts they're scalable for any size church mm-hmm. so if you're kind of like oh my gosh i don't have lights and sounds and bells and whistles and uh you know my first my personal my first youth budget was 500 dollars for the year you can spend 500 dollars on pizza and so this will serve any size church and i'm telling you and and listen Get the senior pastor here. I mean, I've, I know I've said that multiple podcasts, yep. but senior pastor being here is so important. So
0: true. Anything that's really valuable and that works is scalable. Yep. It has to be, yep. or it's limited. What we want to share is just a heart for kids and a way to reach them, no matter what the size of your church is. Yep. So please uh, come be a part of that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, All right. Well, today, Perry, jumping into our topic, you know, we've all heard the phrase separation between church and state. I think most everybody would agree uh, that that dynamic is a pretty good setup for the church and the government. Uh, Recently, though, there have been several issues that have caused that line to get very blurry. Uh, In addition, every church exists inside of some level of governmental authority or particular culture. And how the church leverages that position is important, uh, at least we think it is. Uh, so today we're going to talk about how the church and state can coexist and look at some ways that the church can actually leverage the things going on in our culture and in our government to reach more people. So as we jump into to that idea, Perry, let me just ask you this question right out of the gate. How do you understand the concept of separation of church and state?
1: Well, it's so funny. Um, it's, it's actually not funny. it's frustrating the number of highly educated people that will quote separation of church and state. I mean, I've seen lawyers on television talk about, well, you know, separation of church and state. Um, The phrase separation of church and state doesn't actually exist in the Constitution. It doesn't exist in the Declaration of Independence. It's not in the Bill of Rights. It was actually first um, phrased... In a letter from thomas jefferson to the danbury baptist association in 1802 and he was referring to the first amendment of the united states um and in that he said i contemplate with a sovereign reverence that that act of the whole american people which declared that their legislature should quote make no law respecting an establishment of religion Are prohibiting the free exercise thereof unquote thus building a wall of separation between church and state that's where the phrase comes from so it's not even in any of our founding documents and so um i think i think a lot of people throw up the smoke screen of separation church and state because number one they believe or they've bought into the lie and this is something i walked our church through we bought into the lie that there's a line between the secular and the spiritual and so i like we'll say that there's like christian music and non-christian music or you know um that there's there's secular issues and there's spiritual issues but if you're a christian if you're a follower of christ in romans 10 9 the bible says that if you confess with your mouth jesus is lord that's not jesus is lord of my spiritual and i'm still going to be able to live out my secular that's jesus is lord of all Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 3 when Christ, who is your life, um, he didn't say who's a part of your life, who is your spiritual life. And so one of the things that I think um, leaders in particular have to get past is we are not called by our Constitution nor by Scripture um, to live out this idea of separation of church and state because Jesus is Lord of God. Everything we
0: do. That's good. Um, but let me ask you this. Do you think it's a good idea uh for churches to be involved in politics? Because usually that's where this topic yeah, comes up. Yeah. Yeah, yes and no. Or this concept comes up.
1: I think it's a good idea for the church to be involved in politics in regards to the fact that we're gonna talk about the we're gonna talk about the issues. I don't think I, I'm personally against like we're not gonna do voters' guides um we've uh it's it's kind of funny it's election season is upon us and so in the past and in this section uh, already our church has been contacted by candidates who um want some stage time and um our answer has always been no um we're not going to give stage time and, and my reason is very simple um if they were to get elected and i were to go to washington dc they wouldn't give me stage time and i feel like what the church is doing is way more important than what they're doing anyway um, on the flip side, if a political candidate, whether it be the mayor of a city or the governor or a congressman um, uh, or senator wants to meet and chat, um, I'll do that all day long because um, it's a chance to, number one, it's a chance to learn. I mean, they're leaders or they wouldn't be in that position for me. But number two, if I haven't a chance to maybe make some sort of positive influence um, with them, or if I can pray for them or serve them. You know, Scripture tells us to pray for for governing authorities. Uh, I think Paul, that was First Timothy chapter 2 where Paul told Timothy to do that. Um, I think that level is okay. I think it gets to an insane level when um, we start telling people who to vote for. Um, we pass out the voters' registration guides, which are nothing more than mass propaganda for... Like one side or the other, Um, I think. I think that's when it becomes dangerous. Is when the church actually begins endorsing a political candidate.
0: That's good. I just had this thought that we want unity when it with between church and state when it supports our cause. Yeah. But we want separation between church and state when it doesn't. Yeah. So at some level, the church would want to use politicians to get something done, or politicians would want to use the church to get something done. And what you said. You know, initially I think is really good that it's it's not about trying to separate se- sacred or secular. Right. Uh, it's trying to realize that the Bible has something to say to us all. Uh, and in regards to that, you know, we are uh, just finishing up, or we just finished up a series called America. That's America. apostrophe M E R I C A. America. For those of you that live north of the Mason Dixon line, America. Uh, but we did it this past July, and we were planning it initially, really, uh, to be fun and celebrate the fact that we live in this great country. Uh, But then several things happened uh, in our uh, country. We had the Supreme Court of the United States say that it's okay for there to be same-sex marriage. Uh, we had a shooting uh, in a church in our own state yeah. in Charleston, South yeah. Carolina, uh, Emanuel AME Church, uh, which that was in and of itself something we felt like we need to talk about, but then along with that came the Confederate flag, a controversy if you want to call it that. and so. Uh, we just decided to step into those issues where at some point or it's from some perspective, you could say, hey, maybe there's a line there. There's a, there should be a separation between the church and those issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we felt like, no, you know what? We're talking about our country. These are things happening in our country. They may feel political, but we stepped into that. Why did we do that?
1: Because, and, and this is, this, is, uh, this was something I said from the stage, and I continue to reiterate when people ask me about it, those issues are not political issues; they're gospel issues. And where the Scripture speaks clearly, I think the church not only has the right, but I think the church has the responsibility to speak clearly. And Scripture speaks clearly. I mean, I mean, it's abundantly clear on some of these issues. So when when we stepped into the um, Confederate flag issue uh there were some people that were um yes and amen and there were some people well like the civil war broke out again on facebook basically i mean it was unreal the number of people that disagreed um with with my position our church's position but at the end of the day um that goes back to the issue of racism and whether someone agrees with it or not racism is a sin um, it is sinful. Um, it has separated children of God for far too long, and it needed to be addressed. And it it was addressed through the lens of the the gospel, which I think makes it okay. Same thing with the um, the Supreme Court decision. Um, the issue of homosexuality and gay marriage is not a political issue. Now. Political parties have adopted it, and they toss it back and forth like a political football. And because you cannot cut on the news at night and not see some statement made by some leader in the world regarding the issue of homosexuality and and same-sex marriage, um, everybody thinks it's a political issue. But before the United States even existed, Scripture addressed the issue of homosexuality. It addresses it clearly. It addresses it unapologetically. And so because Scripture addresses that issue, I don't think it's a political issue. Once again, I think it's a gospel issue. And um, I think the, the most important thing, if you're going to address issues like this, it's not what you say, it's how you say it that's really going to matter the most.
0: That's really good. You know, I was thinking, as I was thinking about this topic uh, of asking you, you know, do you think this pushed us past that, you know, line, whatever the line is of separation, uh, or made us a church pushing politics? But something you said there just made me think about this. Let me phrase the question like this. So these issues are gospel issues. Yes. And at some level, that means uh, because they're in the public's eye, that means they're in our church attenders eye, this is really felt needs. Our, our church people need to know, how do I deal with this? How do I react? Or how do I respond to people that think this or that, or the flag, or gay marriage, and all that sort of stuff? Well, would you agree with that? And how would you uh, create a separation in your mind? How do we not step into politics, but yet make sure we're answering the questions that people are asking, living everyday life?
1: Yeah, well, we said that on this podcast before, Shane, one of the problems that the church has is we're answering questions that nobody's really asking. Um, like you'll go to a church and, and a pastor will quote uh, Charles Spurgeon. Well, 99.9% of the people think that he's probably got a website. Um, he actually does. Um, there's actually several Spurgeon websites. It's really interesting. Because I don't know bit, how he does that. You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, now, let me pause and say for the Spurgeon fans who are, you know, I'm— I'm a Spurgeon fan.
0: We're big on Spurgeon.
1: Hey, I, I listen, the guy did not... Listen, he did not have a Bible college degree. He created controversy, and people didn't like his slang language. And I'm like, I think I might have something mm. in common with that guy. Yeah. Um, but I, and let me also say I am not comparing myself to Spurgeon because uh, nobody's trying to buy my
0: sermons. But I, at the end well, of you the... you don't smoke when you preach. Which not I'm when I preach. Su- I'm pretty sure he but did. But I so. should. Yeah. Did he do that? I believe he smoked pipes and cigars waiting for his turn to get up on the pulpit and start preaching. I mean. Yeah. So I mean, next, he I'm telling oh you he would have gosh. been a new Springer. What are we talking about? I don't want to get sidetracked. I, I really asked you about That was amazing. And,
1: yeah, yeah. So so, so we're so anyway, so a pastor will will quote, you know, Spurgeon or they'll talk about um what the word substitutionary atonement means. And that that's important and there's a place for that maybe and there's a time for that. Um, they'll talk about um the weight of the Ark of the Covenant and uh you know I'm sure that that's important um, to two people um, who don't aren't dating but I, th- I think the the issues that people are talking about the church it's basically and the these issues the the Confederate flag the um I mean the tragedy that took place in Charleston it, it was a beautiful, Um, opportunity to step into a situation and answer the question, why do bad things happen? And I was able to kind of stand in front of our church and go, I wrestle with this. Um, It was also an opportunity to point at how the church members of Emmanuel AME Church were responding to the killer and sharing the gospel with him and praying for his salvation Um that is, that's very different than Ferguson. Hmm. It's very different than Baltimore. It's very different than a lot of the things going on in our country. So it was a chance to say, um, hey, this guy declared, he thought he was declaring war on black people, but what he actually did was declare war on people that identified with Christ first. And that's what it looks like when a person gets their identity wrapped up in Christ. And it was an opportunity to share the gospel with the world. And so whenever a church has an opportunity to take something that's happening in culture and enter into that conversation with gospel lenses, I think it's it's always a win when we share with our people things they're already talking about through the lens of Scripture.
0: Yeah, that sounds a whole lot like Acts chapter seventeen. Absolutely, sounds a whole lot like every, Paul on Mars Hill. Every parable Jesus taught. Um, let me ask you this: uh, One Sunday during the, that series, you preached a message. You oh, know, by the way, go to NewSpring.cc. You can see all the messages; they're really great. But uh, one Sunday, you preached a message called "A Letter to the Next President." Um, share with our listeners a couple of thoughts uh, that you placed in that letter and why.
1: Um, so the Letter to the next president was that was a fun message to put together, um, and it was based on the uh, idea that if I ever had a chance to sit down with the next president, and I paused and I told the church, if I ever had a chance to talk to the president, I don't care if they're a Republican or a Democrat, right? Um, they're not going to be a Libertarian because they're all high and they never show up on voting day. But I don't care if they're a Republican or a Democrat, I'm I'm going. I would I would love the opportunity. Um, one of my bucket list items is to fly on Air Force One. I would. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but that would just be cool. Um, is there a rap song about that?
0: I don't know. Air Force One
1: is there? It's not a. It's I not didn't a, think about. It. I just it's thought not a good about song. A, you, though. you know, you don't. I think it's a bad song. Ask. I think it's a dirty song. Is it explicit? Is it? Does it have the explicit tag on it? A little bit. Okay. Um then you Je- wouldn't know it. I, yeah, because I wouldn't know because all I listen to it, is Christian music. It. There you go. Because um, Jesus died for music. Anyway. Um, In that message, I I said the first thing I would say to the president is, I'm sorry the church hasn't been very much help. And at the end of the day, I think um, over in American history, specifically the past 30 years, that the church has probably done um, way more damage than we've done help. Because uh, we've—Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, that um, the world would know we're his followers by the way we love one another. And um, we have not done a good job of loving one another, and I would lump myself into the "we" category oh, yeah. there. Um, I, you know, social media I think has made it easier to sin. And um, was it Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty six that um, one day we'll help be held accountable for every careless word we have spoken? And I'm not worried about the words I've spoken. I don't, some of us should be worried about the words on our Facebook thread. Yeah. Um. And so I just. You know, I would just say I'm sorry for the way the churches. We're going to try to work a little harder and do a little bit more. Um, did you have a thought on that? Are you, are you no, no, something? no.
0: Just amen. And I mean, I put me in the list of people have done and said things they wish they hadn't. Yeah,
1: but and so you know, that's one of the things. Um, another thing. Um, I, I hit on that was really tense was protect the rights of the unborn. Um, and I talked about the abortion industry and um, you know, I. Sp- sp- Specifically, spoke to ladies in our church that had, had abortions, or or maybe men that had paid for an abortion, and talked to them about the love and the forgiveness and the mercy and the healing found in Christ. And that, you know, I didn't call them baby killers, and I didn't say you produce the next Holocaust. And you know, it's once again, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I did talk about how abortion is not a political issue; it's a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. And with um the stuff that's came out about Planned Parenthood in the past several weeks about, you know it it's just overwhelmingly something that's dominating the the cult, the news headlines. Um, I think I said uh protect protect my rights as an American to pr- protect my religious freedom. In other words, don't tell me because I believe that that it's not okay for same. Sex couples to be married that that that's a hate crime. I don't because I don't hate Mm -hmm. them. I don't hate people that disagree. It's it's I can tolerance. What we try what we try to do is we've turned um, acceptance into approval. Yep. And uh, I can accept you without approving of what you do. And so I would just you know. And so I I hit on things like Mm -hmm. that um and then at the end i said i'm praying for you you know i want you to lead i want you to lead with passion and conviction and um anyway it was a it was a fun message i think for our church to kind of step into the political arena without being told how to vote or who to vote for
0: yeah i love that too again i think with the this whole idea of separation of church and state that there are Leaders, Democrat, Republican doesn't matter. The Bible says we're under their authority. Romans thirteen says God placed them there, yep. and so. But it doesn't mean we shut our mouths and not speak the gospel toward them. Um, you know, let me ask you this: Do you think, as you look back over the Gospels, do you think Jesus Himself uh, or even the early Church uh, engaged uh, the government or culture they lived in in similar ways?
1: I do, I do, and and the reason I feel that way is because. Jesus never ducked an issue, so think about the time they tried to trap him with a whole. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? He didn't go. Well, you know that's a that's a government issue. i kingdom of heaven. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. No, he was like, um, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God's what is God's, and like everybody's mouth like dropped wide open, and they walked away. And you know, um, they came to to him local government. You know, they had to pay the temple tax, and Jesus, you know, sent Peter fishing and. Peter found the fish and got the coin and paid the temple tax. And so he was—I mean, he demonstrated—and I'm going to push the pause button. The other thing that people say, well, you know, Jesus wasn't really involved in politics, is we got to understand that Israel at the time was occupied by the Roman army. Yeah. That it wasn't a democracy. they didn't I mean they didn't get to vote. If you disagreed with the government, you just woke up with a sword through your head. So yep. it was a little different.
0: Jesus obeyed the laws of the land. yeah,
1: yeah and it was um my favorite interaction though with Jesus in politics is when he's standing before Pilate and Pilate um, asks him, do you not know that I have the power to release you or crucify you which if you look back in history, that's a little bit of a comical statement um, Pilate telling jesus who he was because um, jesus is like i'm i made you but um jesus tells Pilate, you would have no authority over me if it were not given to you from above and so right there jesus acknowledges that um god's pretty involved in politics and so when he said that i'm like oh wow you know paul you know, once again, I think I quoted First Timothy 2, where he tells us to pray for government leaders. And and this is the thing. Paul's, Paul was saying this about government leaders that were actually at this point persecuting and murdering Christians. That's right. It wasn't like, pray for this government leader who voted in four ways that you wouldn't have voted. I read a survey yesterday online, and I shook my head, um, and it, ma- it made me sad. It said like... Um, The majority of Christians in America think that we're persecuted. Um, And in America, we're not persecuted. No. Um, Persecution is not somebody left a negative comment on our Facebook page. Persecution is not somebody told you that you cannot wear a cross um, necklace to school. Persecution is not um, somebody got offended that you tried to do a Bible study. All those things might be attacks. But persecution, I mean, some of the stories I've heard from friends that we've met that we've yep. traveled international and heard I mean, persecution is going on. And I'm not saying it won't happen in America one day. Um I'm I'm just saying
0: It's it, not right now. It's it's not right now.
1: It's not right now.
0: Um, yeah, I think uh, just to add add to that, I think about all the time, um, uh, you know, Jesus engaged, he always um, respected the authority he was under because God set it up, He, you know, just like you said in his time with Pilate, I think Paul, you mentioned Acts 17 before, he took wherever he was and he just engaged the culture he was in, whether it's politics or culture, it didn't matter. He leveraged that to get them to a place where they might hear the gospel. And so all of this really is with an effort to do that. what lessons, as we kind of wrap up here, what lessons would you say we've learned as we walk through this season of addressing the issues that maybe blur the lines a little bit between this separation we've talked about between church and state? What lessons may be good, maybe lessons may be bad that we've learned as we've stepped into some of these issues?
1: Well, the one, the one big one I've learned, and this is for leaders in particular, is you're going to hear the phrase um church leaders should not share their political opinions um 100 of the time that comes from a person that doesn't share the same opinion that you do Um, because if you supported their opinion they would say you need to preach on that more and so i got some of that i got some of the man we shouldn't talk about those issues and then i got some of the we need to do a whole series on that um I, this is the thing I would tell leaders, and this is something, I mean, this is raw, this is fresh, we just learned this. When you step into an issue that's considered political, um, expect the fire to get turned up in your church. Because, think about it, the the, the there's three things that you don't talk about um, when you get together with your family at Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. There's There's three things you don't talk about at least here in the South. I'm not sure how it is in the, in the North or out West, but in the South, you don't talk about college football um, because it'll start a fight. Like there will literally be knockdown dragouts over college football. By the way, Clemson will do better than Florida this year, Josh. Um, Josh, still pray for Josh, hashtag. Um, the, the second thing you don't talk about is you don't talk about religion um, because everybody's got, you know, the, the the uncle that don't believe in the Bible or the aunt that got hurt in church. Um, And so if you talk about religion around your family, it's going to get tense. Um, The third thing you don't talk about is politics. Um, I don't, you know, know, my my mother and father's passed away. And so um, I go to my wife's family every year. And there's been a couple years where it's, it's uh, it's a brawl. Politically, and um, I don't say anything. I just sit back and really. I'm, I, I might periscope it this year because it's just so fun. It's a good idea. Yeah, I'm gonna periscope it because if they if they start talking politics, it's it's just awesome. So when you take two out of those three, when you take reli- when you take something that people perceive as religion and politics, two of the three, and you start talking about it in church. I mean, the the fire, as it says in Daniel chapter 3, um, it's like when they threw the children in, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there's a verse in there that says, um, Nebuchadnezzar had the furnace turned up seven times hotter. And so sometimes when you step into this arena, you need to get prepared for the furnace to get seven times hotter. But the reason that people are so vocal about it is because it's something that matters to them. And uh, not not only does it matter to them, I think it matters to Jesus. And so I think we should preach truth. Um, I think we should show grace. And once again, I'll I'll emphasize this over and over and over again. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, When our church, we preached on the subject of same-sex marriage. We've, We've actually covered it on two separate occasions in the past 18 months. We, we covered it in a You Asked For It series, and then in the marriage series, or, or I'm sorry, in the sex series that we just did a few months ago, um, I talked about it again. Um, and no one, no one was surprised at our church's stance on the subject. No one said, oh my gosh, I cannot believe New Spring said that. Um, what we actually received a lot of compliments on was how we said it. And I personally received compliments from people who identify themselves as gay who said, hey, I I don't agree with what you said, but I'm gonna continue to come to your church because of how you said it. Um, I I got a text from a campus pastor yesterday and he said he sat down and had lunch with a guy who um identifies himself as gay um and said that he attends this church he knows our stance on it on the subject but because of the way we've said it he still feels like he can walk in the doors and i'm like man that's that that's how i I, I want our church to be it's like in Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus goes to Matthew's house for dinner um and uh the pharisees get mad and jesus said i didn't come to for the righteous but for sinners and i think sometimes we lose the fact we lose sight of the fact that jesus called matthew and his friends sinners to their face Mm -hmm. we lose sight of that because we get so obsessed with jesus arguing with the pharisees but i mean jesus basically called them sinners and told them they were sick um but they still had dinner with him so i don't i don't think he said it in a condemning way i just think he said it in a very matter-of-fact way and matthew winds up being one of his followers and ultimately gives his life for him Hmm. so i think when we enter into these arenas because i've seen nobody wants to be the the morons who are picketing funerals and holding up the signs that are very, I, I'm, I'm not even going to mention the name of the church that, that's very well known for that because I don't even want to give them any credit, but it's just nobody wants to be those people. We want to be the people that respond with, like John says, grace and truth, full of grace, full of truth.
0: It's so good. Well, thank you guys for listening this week, and I hope you walk away knowing, church leaders, that you can step into these issues if you love people. It's not more about what you say, but how you say it. But you need to say something, because your people are asking these kind of questions. They're talking about it. They're talking about it. So the church has a voice, and we should use it. Uh, With that, we'll sign off, and we'll see you guys next month.